You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. It is June 28th. 2021, and on today's show, we discussed the Nationals and Marlins series. We discussed the first game of the series because it took place on Thursday. That was on Friday's show, but we'll talk about the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games on today's show and look ahead for the Nationals at what they have coming up uh, today because they have a single game against the Mets today. So we'll discuss that and more on today's podcast. All right, let's get to it. The Nationals had a four-game series this weekend in Miami. We already talked about the first game, uh, so you want to hear about that. You can go back to Friday's show. But the Nationals won first game 7-3, to and we'll we'll discuss the rest of the weekend series. So um, I would say a split, you know, was not what the Nationals were looking for, especially considering the fact they won the first game of the series, but they end up getting a split. Nothing that really... Hurts their momentum altogether, I would say. Uh, I think it's worth noting that obviously they were coming in playing really good baseball. And uh, to have this happen, you know, once again, doesn't stop their momentum totally. Going one and three probably would have stopped that momentum, uh, it's fair to say. But two and two, you know, you're still playing at least 500 baseballs. So uh, the Nationals are not in too bad of a spot after this four game set with the Marlins. But we'll, we'll go through it here. I want to say that. Didn't watch all of this weekend's action, uh, especially because I work in college baseball and uh, or college sports, and I'm sure a lot of you guys heard the stories this weekend about the uh, and, and the NC State situation and NC State getting knocked out of the College World Series due to uh, a COVID potential COVID outbreak with their team. It's been a whole mess, a whole weird story, and uh, that was a, a big a big talking point this weekend. But was able to catch up with a lot of the games, watch Friday nights, and watch most of Sundays. Uh, Saturday's a bit in and out of because of all that work, but still, I was able to watch most of this weekend's action. All right, so we'll discuss the uh, the first game that we have not talked about on this podcast, and that is the Nationals' 11-2 loss that they suffered on Friday night. And the big story in this game was John Lester, who goes two and a third innings, five hits, seven runs, all earned, three walks, one K, and a homer allowed the rest of the bullpen uh, struggled as well. Runs given up by Paulo Espino. Runs given up by uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez. So not a good night for the Nationals in terms of their pitching performance. Pablo Lopez gets the win for the Marlins. Six innings, six hits, two earned runs, one homer allowed, nine Ks, just one walk for Pablo Lopez, who picked up win number four on the season. Look, I think for the Nationals, the story in this game once again, is the dependability of the starting pitching. And we've seen that be a major talking point. We've we've discussed it a lot. John Lester now not being able to get out of three innings. You know, it's just this this is why that that signing to me was so challenging or or so not not perplexing is not the right word, but just it, it, it was such a calculated risk. It was such a, you know, that fourth starter spot is something that, that for a lot of teams can be a strength. It can be a, you know, it's it's a lower leverage starting position. It's a guy who needs to give you uh, good work. I think when we, we think about those guys who are in that kind of that four spot, right, 
Think about guys like Anibal Sanchez, who had that great run as a four starter. A guy like an Eric Fetty, who's a four or five, that's what a, at least this current uh, version of Eric Fetty, that's what a good fourth or fifth guy looks like. For the Nationals, you know, there's no dependability here with John Lester. The results have been really mixed. Now, this month, they are three and two in games that he has pitched, but you go back to last month, and in games that he pitched, the Nationals were one and four. Um, you know, during outings that he's pitched in, they've only won across the board five games. So for John Lester, you know, this month was a mixed, you know, he actually had been pitching relatively okay um, this month, you know, six innings, five and a third, three and two thirds, and five and two thirds. So giving you a bit more length than what we're used to, but he had a start like this where, you know, just kind of things blew up in his face and he was not able to manage it. He was not able to get the Nats out of the situations. They fall 11 to two in that game. We'll have to note though, uh, Kyle Schwarber does go deep again in this game and just adds that impressive offensive tally. But besides that, the Nets, their offense was pretty anemic. They well, they were able to generate some hits, but they were not good under scoring position. They were one for five. They left six guys on base and were just not up to the task. Kyle Schwarber did go three for four though in this game and obviously had that home run like we talked about. So there was a slight positive from this game. Now, the next day out, you think, okay, maybe the Nationals can bounce back, at least guarantee themselves a second win and a chance to, to win the series on Sunday with Scherzer having the ball. That, that's kind of what I predicted at the beginning of the series would be a successful weekend for the Nationals. Could they head into Sunday's game with the ball in Scherzer's hand and a chance to win the series? That's where they ideally wanted to be. They were not able to do that. They fall to the Marlins in game number two by a score of 3-2. to two. Zach Thompson was tremendous. We talked about him as a newer guy for the Marlins. Six innings, four hits, two, earn, uh, two runs, one earned, two walks, and 11 strikeouts for Zach Thompson on the day for the Marlins. He really had it all working, and the 27-year-old, who really has not made a uh, you know a big splash in the major leagues, this just being his fourth start, was tremendous. This was the longest he had gone in a ball game. Uh, this he you know, set a career high for pitches thrown, for strikeouts for him, for innings pitched. So Zach Thompson really did have, ever, have, have everything working uh, against the Nationals and not much of a response from them. To be honest, Patrick Corbin was was pretty solid in this game. They, Patrick Corbin gave them, the Nats, really everything they needed to stay in the game. Six innings, five hits, three earned runs, six Ks, one homer. Look, that's not the perfect start, but six innings, a three-run ball, should keep you in the game. And for the bullpen, Austin Voth, clean uh, clean inning, and Tanner Rainey, clean inning as well. It's important for those two guys to keep stacking them up, to keep building up that confidence as well. And the Nationals also end up getting shut down by that Marlins bullpen to uh, Bender, Floro, and Garcia end up uh, sealing the deal for the Marlins in this game. And the offense was at a premium. Both guys... Uh, both pitching staffs did a very good job. Juan Soto doubled in Trey Turner early on in the game. Um, the Marlins were able to scratch across two runs in the first. Oh, and Castro tied it up, and a John Birdie home run was the difference. The Nats put pressure on them. They, they had base runners against every single pitcher the Marlins threw out there. The problem was they did not catch it. Another one-for-nine uh, experience for the Nationals with runners in scoring position. Uh, nine guys 
end up being left on base. The only guy who hit the in scoring position was Jan Gomes, and they were not able to get a run out of it. So uh, for the Nats, you know, it, it's we've, we've talked about it so much, their ability to hit with runners in scoring position. It feels like that and their, uh, you know, and their good performances just come and go. Their, their ability to generate runs. And look, this is once again across baseball, but the Nationals have struggled that all year long, and this was no different. And so they fall 3-2 to two in this series, um, in the third game of the series, forcing themselves on Sunday to try to get a split. And that's not where you want to be, especially you consider how well you've been playing. And the fact that the Mets have not been playing well either. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, let's talk about that Sunday game, but first a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends from Freshly. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly, it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week and take the pressure off of you. We're all trying to eat and get in shape, eat the right way, and Freshly can help with that. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash LockedOnMLB. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash LockedOnMLB for $40 off on your next two orders. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnMLB for $40 off on your next two orders. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is also brought to you by Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, and rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow your wealth in a meaningful way and actually make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data shows that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders actually beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. That's Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB and get started today. So like we talked about, the Nationals missed an opportunity to take advantage of a bad Marlins team. They put themselves in a spot where on Sunday they needed to win to uh, to get themselves a split in this series, and they got it because two things. Number one, good situational hitting, and two, Max Scherzer, who has been dynamite this season, six innings, five hits, one earned run, two walks, seven Ks, Spread across those six innings, as I mentioned, he was in control. That ERA dips down to 2.14. He gets win number seven on the season. Tanner Rainey, Austin Voth, Brad Hand, all pitch clean innings. They give up one hit, one walk between them, strike out three amongst them, and they close the deal in those three innings. So the Nationals get a win there. Alcantara takes a loss. Five and a third, six hits, five earn, uh, five runs, four earned, three walks, three Ks, and two home runs, and that was... The big story, my friends, the Nationals' power output, it came to play, especially in the top of the sixth inning when they got homers from Trey Turner, who had a two-run shot, and then Josh Bell, who had a two-run shot as well. It was a 1-1 game at that point in the sixth, and then Turner and Bell saw to it that the Nationals would take the lead and maintain it. And it's good to see Trey 
back on the home run train. We had talked with Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington, and it was noted that Trey had said when he was at that 10 home run mark that he felt like his power was a bit of a fluke this year. Uh, you know, he said, I'm not going to keep up a 10 home run pace. That's fine because he's been he's been all-star worthy um, besides that, and, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but he was able to display a little bit of that power today. So it was really good to see a bit of that power come back. Now, it's not that it's necessary that he has to be hitting for power, but it's good to see a bit more of that pop return. And then Josh Bell, too, who feels like he's really turned the corner this month, right? It feels like Josh Bell is at a point right now where he's beginning to get comfortable on the season. He's hitting 229, which you might say, that's pretty bad. But this is a guy to come back off of COVID, right? Off the COVID break, hit 113 in the month of April, hit 264 in the month of May, and now he's hitting 277 in the month of June. You know, I'm not saying you can just completely discount that bad month that he had, but I do think it's fair to um, to wonder, you know, about how how affected he was by COVID. And look, the last four games especially, he's only struck out twice, so those strikeout numbers for him are down. You love to see that for Josh Bell. And now moving forward, can he keep that up? Because he's in a, he's in a good position right now to keep helping this team drive in some runs in a grand slam the other day in Philadelphia. And uh, he and Zerman, they're trying to you know keep those two matched up at first base and in the aggregate pr- provide some really good offense between those two guys at that position. And they've begun to do so. So Josh Bell's emergence and Kyle Schwarber's continued, uh, you know, and well, it's it slowed down a bit, but still, his productivity at that top of the order has really seen this Nationals offense get a new dynamic. Now, we already had this, we, we talked about it, they have to be better on the whole with runners in scoring position, but, but, as, as kind of a general thought, I think people would agree the Nationals offense is a lot more pleasurable to watch now than it was uh, a few weeks ago. It feels like the beginning to find uh, their stride more consistently. Now, not consistent enough. We saw that this weekend, but they feel like they can bring the offense uh, a bit more consistently in a game-to-game basis than they did earlier in the season. There's no debating that right now. I do want to mention that I did see the all-star voting and uh, a couple a couple notes here. You know, everybody's been talking about uh, where you know where things stand with the all-stars and look, Fernando Tatis is really awesome. He's great. You know, Brandon Crawford to me is is the best. He's the most complete shortstop in the league at this point, right? Right now, or nationally rather, uh, he he is the guy that when I, I think about the shortstop position, I think about his consistency. The fact that Tatis, Baez, and Crawford are on there, and I'm speaking more about Tatis and Baez. Trey Turner is an all star man. The fact that he's not top three is ridiculous to me. Now I know it's all fan voted. It's pretty ridiculous. This is, you know, it's the fact that the positions are based off fan voting is is absolutely absurd. Um, all stars are something that, that should be decided, I think, in a variety of ways, right? You know, kind of maybe some fan voting, maybe some player voting, right? May, maybe the you know uh, managerial voting, media voting. There are ways that you can make it composite so that there are all star ballots that are you know the all star ballots are more fair that we're seeing the actual guys. That should be in there because I'm sorry. While Javi Baez might be hitting a productive, uh, you know, his, his 228 might be a more productive 228. You can't argue that Javi Baez has been better than Trey Turner this year. It's just not possible to do. 
than Fernando Tatis. While he's had an excellent, excellent offensive season, he is such a defensive liability that you could argue that in the aggregate, the value of those two players has to be thought of uh, that way, right? I mean, what, what is the real value of Tatis? You know, his great offense and really bad defense and Trey's really good offense. And I think for this year, for the most part, you know, we'd say pretty solid defense, right? Where do we come down? Where do you come down on that? I guess kind of uh, decides what you really think about the pl- uh, you know each player. Now I know that if you look at stats, you know, such as war, uh, then you're going to see that, yeah, Tatis has a great value, but I think the idea that Trey Turner is not on the all-star, you know, not top three shortstop this year uh, to me seems a bit farcical. Uh, in my opinion, I think there's no way you can't have Trey Turner up there uh, as a top three shortstop, especially to put somebody like Javi Baez up there. Sure. Tatis. I'll, I'll, let's just say, I'll give you Tatis. Baez. No way. Trey Turner should be uh, up there. And, you know, with, with he's hitting an all-star clip. You know, there's very few guys who are actually hitting over 300 this season. Trey is one of those guys, and he's been one of those guys the entire year. It's not some guy who just surged the top of the of, of that batting average list, right? In the National League, he is fifth when it comes to batting average, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of crazy to think fifth in batting average uh, is 309 this year. But, look, he's, he's fifth in the league in batting average, 360 on base, which is not that not that impressive. But uh, for him, you know, that 12 homers, that 36 RBI out of a spot where you know, a lot of the times Trey is uh, he'd been hitting leadoff, and also he's swiped 16 bags as well, which is tied for second most in the National League. Actually, he's also tied there. Fernando Tatis, fun fact. So yeah, that's just a little bit of my gripe at uh, this point in time. It's not it's not a huge deal. You know, all star voting to me across sports something that we should not take too seriously, especially when it is just fan voted. But uh, yeah, Trey Turner not being on that list. A little bit of grr. That's kind of what it generated for me. And I think Nationals fans everywhere feel the same way. And hey, you have a chance to do something about it. Go ahead and vote for Trey Turner. I'm not here to advocate for players voting for players who don't deserve it. It's not. It's not. I'm not in that business. If there's a Nationals player who I don't think does not uh, don't think deserves it at all, uh, I would tell you. But yeah, I, I think it's it's safe to say that he is somebody that deserves a shot. At that position. Um, also, other nationals that you are seeing right now. Juan Soto is sixth in the outfield voting right now. Uh, and so there's, that's where he stands on that. There are no other nationals at the positions right now when it comes to that part of the voting equation. So Trey Turner, Juan Soto, the two guys that you'd expect to be up there. Obviously, Juan having more of a down year. Uh, by his standards, still a good offensive year by league standards. No doubt about that which is really funny to think down year Juan Soto still, especially this season, still a very good year. I mean, uh, you know, he's hitting what in the 260s, 270s in a season like this, that's still very good. Um, so yeah, those two guys on the all-star ballot, just wanted to check in on that, let you guys know that's where that status was. Should have some more injury news coming up too. Steven Strasburg and Daniel Hudson. They hope to get them back here pretty soon. We'll check in with Matt Wyrick to get the latest on that later on this week. Hopefully, uh, and the Nationals will see those guys come back. All right, let's take one more quick break, and we'll discuss the Nationals' upcoming game with the New York Mets. A single game here on a Monday, but first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar in the game today. Go to BuiltBar.com to check out the nine available flavors 
that they have right now. They've got coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. All those flavors are delicious, and they are available right now at BuiltBar.com. You go there, use the promo code LOCK15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off on your next purchase. Once again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off today. All right, so how things sit right now in the National League East, the Washington Nationals, are just four games back of the New York Mets. The Mets sit at 40 and 33. The Nats are at 37 and 38. The Braves are 37 and 40. Phillies 36 and 39. And the Marlins are 33 and 44. So the Nationals right now are in second place, sole possession of second place in the National League East at 37 and 38. They are 7 and 3 in their last 10 games. The Nationals now have a minus 12 run differential, which has improved vastly over the course of the season. The Mets are 40 and 33, uh, plus 19 run differential. They are 4 and 6 in their last 10 games. And these two teams meet today for a rescheduled contest. The Mets are coming through as they head down to Atlanta. The Nats, this is the first game of a seven-game homestand coming up. They've got one with New York, two with Tampa, and then four with the Los Angeles Dodgers before they head out west for uh, the, the Nationals head out west, that is for a West Coast road trip. So uh, big games coming up here, seven games against all teams that if the season ended today would all be in the Major League Baseball playoffs. So obviously it is a big stretch coming up. For the Mets today, it's going to be Jared Eikhoff on the hill uh, coming in. You know, this is a guy that they brought up from AAA to make some starts for them, so they're going to use him again today. The Nationals obviously lost Eric Fetty. He is hitting the 10-day IL with an oblique strain. So when they lose, uh, you know, losing him, that's a big issue. They, they've promoted Andres Machado from AAA Rochester. Uh, so he is now active and he is available to go. I would venture to say that Paulo Espino is going to be on the bump to start today's game. Now, Paulo did pitch over the course of the weekend, so I would expect that his pitch count is going to be semi-limited, but you know, you're going to see some the, the Nationals trying to mix and match here. Um, the, for the, and for the Mets, Jared Eikhoff pitched four innings, three hits, three Ks, three walks, 77 pitches, and four innings of work, and in, in a 1-0 loss to the Braves last week. And so for the Nationals, you know, when, you, when you're going to throw Paolo Espino out there, most likely, um, you're wondering who's going to piggyback off that. You know, who are the Nationals going to, to have come afterwards? Because Tanner Rainey has pitched... Uh, last couple days, Eric Fetty obviously on the shelf, so you know he's not available to go. Jeffrey Rodriguez could pitch some for you too. Obviously, they just called up Andres Machado. You might see a little bit of, of Miller as well. Brad Hand should be available. Just pitched uh, through ten pitches yesterday, so he should be available to pitch in this game. Austin Voth did pitch yesterday, but just ten pitches, so potentially available. Not sure though, uh, because he's he's been throwing quite a lot. As of late, the Nationals just trying to piece things together. But both these teams are, and a lot of teams are from a bullpen perspective too. So we'll see what the Nationals can do on that front. Once again, it is a one-game series for the Nats and the Mets. A Once again, as I mentioned before, a, a rare single game and not a lot of odds yet because the Nationals are technically undecided on who is starting. So no odds to give you all for this game tonight. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.